What, do they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real light weights when I was like 12. listening to the rod the podcast with your hosts jordan betts and mike men hey guys good to be back for another episode of the podcast how you doing tonight mike not bad just you know getting through the week how about yourself no i feel that so brief little story um candidly last week when we recorded the uh well the intro is made right well, we recorded what we said before it was done, so we kind of put some pressure on Steven. Uh, he delivered. I, I, I bet the intro is going to be a little bit of a work in progress, but I enjoyed what he did. I really enjoyed like the voiceover part. Yeah. Um, you know, we got to get you to say like "Welcome to the podcast" or something because I'm not going to do it because when I do, it's clearly very lame, as everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll figure it out. Um, so tonight, the plan. Um, jumping off a little bit compared to last week, but a little bit more of a deep dive. I think we want to go player by player, UFA, RFA list, um, and just kind of see where the discussion takes us, have it be a little bit more organic. And uh, like I said, deep dive and and let's, you know, I don't want to be redundant. I know we talked Trocek and Nino a decent amount, but I think that's the appropriate place to start again tonight. Um, Vincent Trocek. What do you think? Do you want him back? Do you see him back? Want him back? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why not. See him back? Definitely not. He's he's going to be the number one option for a second-line center pretty much on the market, I would think, um, depending on what happens with some other players. Um, but he's going to be a very hot commodity, and he's going to get offered a pretty significant payday. Uh, we know the Canes management isn't known for throwing deals at aging players. I don't know if he fits in the framework. We kind of touched on it last week with the KK deal being signed. Um, so want him back. Yeah. I mean, he's a, I think he's a good teammate. I think he's a good utility kind of player that can play any situation. Um, I think what's ultimately going to be best for him is going to be going elsewhere. I think he's going to be able to cash in. Uh, and I, I totally agree. Want him back without question. Huge Vincent Trocek fan. Um, do I see him coming back? I don't. I think that's actually going to be because they're going to re-sign Nino. We'll get to that later. Um, with Trocek, obviously second line center, as you mentioned, um, probably going to be tops in the market. Probably going to price himself out of here in the six and a half million plus AAV range. I loved what he brought to this team, slightly undersized maybe for a second line, you know, permanent center, but a guy that had a little bit of scoring juice uh, would play physically, um, had a little edge. I love the attitude that he approaches the game with. Um, I worry with him leaving, you know, that's just another void to fill. We, we do know that the team has offered him deals. That kind of feels like um, front office posturing, as we know they tend to do with hey, this is kind of where we see your market. We'll offer you to that. If not, hey, good luck. Go explore elsewhere, and maybe we'll revisit later. We've seen it happen yeah. before. Um, I don't think it's going to be the case here because, you know, there, there's just not a lot of guys that can play in the top six at center that are, you know, legitimate options that 
get become available in the league. And so uh, teams are always center needy. He's just going to, as I said, price himself out, in my opinion. Agreed. Yep. All right, Tony D. So Tony, his value could be all over the place. It could be four million a year. It could be eight million a year. He he could be eight million based on performance if you take everything else out of the picture. Sure. Um, He's a super unique case, and uh, I know last year when we were discussing how could they replace Dougie. Well, without question, they did that, and they did it at a bargain bin price. I don't think we even factored in Tony D'Angelo in any of our discussion because he was so off the radar within the league. Um, he had the opportunity to come here, reestablish value, um, maybe silence some of some of the detractors um, nationally and locally, and, and, and produced. Especially during the regular season, he was he was excellent. Uh, predominantly prior to the injury, but he was, he was good. Especially in the Boston series, wasn't great versus the Rangers. But this is a guy that can clearly. You know, he's not the best defensive player, but he can play on your top defensive pairing, especially with Jacob Slavin, can be your quarterback one, oh, power play one quarterback, um, excels in that role, great offensive defenseman, and brings an edge and a little nastiness that candidly this team needs. So um, it's a yes for me. If I want him back, it's a yes. I think they will bring him back because I'm not sure how you replace him without, you know, trading something you don't want to trade or spending uh, capital you don't want to spend. I, I think his history will drive down the market a little bit. Um, I'm not, I'm sure teams will want to, you know, acquire him at a higher price point than maybe Carolina. I think with him, it's going to come down to term. Um, so that's what I'm most interested in seeing. But I would assume anything less than five AAV, um, he'll be back from two to five years. I don't think they'd go any further than that. I don't think it'll be any shorter than that. Um, agree, disagree, hate it, love it. What do you think? I mean, I would, I would take him back. I think what it comes down to, we, we talk about the dollar signs, right? And for him, he talked about loyalty. This team took care of me, gave me an opportunity to come back. The Canes have done the dirty work to now clean up and I'm not saying his reputation is totally cleaned up, but he is now much more palatable to many more organizations, I would assume. Um, we'll see what he means by loyalty. Honestly, I'm, I'm liking a deal three years, depending on AAV. Like, if he's willing to take a good deal to stick around for five years and the money makes sense, if we're talking $5 million in that range, $6 million max, and you're talking five years, I could... I could be okay with that. I just think the risk is obviously still there. Um, he's still got a long way to go. He did well last season, but we'll see. I mean, he's a right-handed offensive defenseman. Hard to Those find. are hard to acquire. Um, he does have RFA status, but arbitration rights, I yes, believe. Yes, what an interesting ARB case that would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, Arbitration could get him... Eight million easily, I sure. would think. I don't. I mean, or I'm it just... could work against him because how many players have basically had a team buy you out out as a young productive player first year into what a four year deal? I mean, it just hasn't happened. And, it's and, unique, yeah. Um, so kind of an unprecedented case. Um, I hope it doesn't get to that point. I, I would be shocked if he's not in a cane sweater next year. 
really just an irreplaceable player at this point. But heck, I said that last year about Dougie, and well, we went up it and got it at eight million dollars less. So, yeah. what do I know? Just a podcast host. <laughs> Okay, our last of the primary guys that we spent a decent amount of time on last week. Um, so these will be a little bit more brief, but uh, Nino Niederreiter. Um, I will it, let you take this one since I took uh, Tony. Yeah, I mean, obviously Nino is a guy you want back. He's also another scenario where he could go get paid. I'm not exactly sure where his market value lies. I mean, I think personally... For a guy his age, that's most likely going to be a third-line player. I have a, a tough time swallowing more than $5 million, which it seems like a lot of people think is going to be the value and going to be what he gets at. If he wants $5 million by like two or three years, I could I could probably stomach that. But if we're talking about a, a five-year deal to kind of conclude his career most likely – I, I mean, I, I need that to be in the high threes, low fours, maximum, in my opinion. Now, with that being said, he's unique on the Hurricanes roster in the way that he plays. He's a finisher. He's shown the ability to score in big moments. Um, he plays heavy on the boards. He's good with puck control and retrieval. Like, it, it's a, the kind of player you need in your roster, and I want him back. I think he could be back, but I would not be surprised if the Canes explore the market for a guy that they think could be a discount version of him. Do I think that's the right approach? Maybe not, but you even look at a guy we've been linked with before, like Jesse Pugliarvi, maybe not, not maybe, doesn't have the scoring yeah, touch that Nino and has. And not as established. Yeah. Not as established, but he did pretty much does everything else Nino does. And they would be buying on the idea that maybe this guy will figure out the scoring piece. Well, and I then, mean, let's look at what Nino was valued at when they acquired yeah, him. Exactly. Right? It was a, you know, Victor Rask straight up. And a guy with high draft pedigree, Paul Yarvey, uh, similar to Nino. Nino's top five pick also uh, that had kind of fallen down on times and, you know, wasn't living up to a contract. Uh, comes to Carolina and, you know, that winter, spring of t 2019 sets the world on fire. Where I struggle with Nino, and I feel like he's more valuable to this team because he's a commodity they don't have other than Svetch as far as having a powerful potential power forward scoring winger. Um, and those are rare, but, man, I I've heard up to, you know, Upwards of five and a half, maybe six million AAV. And I'm kind of like you, it's like, I can't stomach that if it's over five. And I understand he's a valuable asset. He's a, he is additive to this roster. And you guys know that I'm all about winning windows, but this is the kind of deal that if it's too long, can close your window. Th this is the kind of deal that can cause you to, um, lose players that you don't want to lose in the future when their contracts come up. Because if you're paying him five and a half, six million dollars a year, well he's a he's a core member there. And I just don't know how many teams have core members of their team that play on the third line. And, and so at his age. At his age. And Absolutely. so it's it's my in my mind I'm going he's a third liner in Carolina on a on and on a contender more likely than not. 
on a bad team who's probably going to pay him more. He's a second liner. Great. If he wants to chase the money and to hire role, good. And that's, you know, hey, your career, you're, you get one chance to do this. More power to you. I will never criticize a player for chasing championships or money. It, you get to do it one time. I just struggle with the idea that you're basically paying that amount of money for what has been a half a point per game player that usually scores 20. I don't know. It, it just seems like you're you're buying high and he knows that he's more valuable to you than he is elsewhere. Market's going to be high as a, as a rare type of player, but he's just not a dominant force. He is an additive force, but he's not a driver. You know, you're not going to win a cup because of Nino Niederreiter. Um, and okay in the playoffs, but hasn't been like a no doubt, like, Slap the stamp on it. We got to keep this guy in the playoffs because he is a playoff performer. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just, I like the player. I just, the circumstances make me frown on him right now, which which really stinks because I, yeah. I like Nino. It's just like, is he the reason that we won't be able to do other things? And I, we talked so much last summer about, you know, if they signed Dougie. What can't they do in the future? Well, this is the same type thing. And it's a lesser caliber player. Um, you know, Dougie was a, Norris caliber finalist here. Nino's a, th- a third liner. Like, yeah, and he doesn't ooh, kill penalties. Doesn't kill penalties. It plays on your second power play unit. And, and, you know, that's been a pretty um, indiscreet group for a number of years. It's, it comes back to, though, Mike, and in a winning window, how do you replace that production, though? Is, yeah, you, it, is it a Paul Yarvey on the cheap who yeah, might be yeah. on the outs? Uh, it could be a Lawson Kraus from Arizona. Right. It, I mean, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I think we're going to have a really good idea as we get closer and closer to the actual free agent window. If he's deciding to test the market, I don't think this team is going to sit on their hands very long to find a replacement. And if he's testing the market, I think unless it becomes a Jordan Martinook situation where he's gone. Which I don't he think he, he's too good for that. In I my don't opinion. think so as well. Um, so yeah, if there's not a deal done for me in the July 5th to 10th range before free agency opens on the 13th, I, you know, something we'll definitely have to talk about is, okay, let's sink into who's the Nino replacement because he's not on the roster right now. I, I, I don't see us filling that void and I mean, geez, losing Nino is like a domino effect to a lot of roster moves because if we're slotting, saying that Tro's gone and we're slotting a KK in the center too, geez, then it's a little complicated. What's your fourth line look like at all? Um, you know, someone's got to play with Jordo. Is Natchez back? I don't know. It, 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 is, it gets a little paradoxical there. Yeah, I will point out there is a lot of skill in the AHL for the team right now that I think you're going to have at least one guy, and it's one guarantee, in my opinion, that makes NHL jump in Drury, which we'll discuss these topics more down the road. But you've got Drury, who I think is pretty much an 80% chance to make the roster next year. And then I would say there's a handful of other guys that could plug and play fourth line, rotate up and down third line two-way contract back and forth i think they have those pieces like to come up that are young 
And who knows who's going to be the guy that surprises you, that takes the big step in the offseason and comes to camp ready because we already think Drury will be one of them. What if you get two of them? Then all of a sudden you've got two entry-level contract right. guys contributing in your lineup, and that's another game-changer. That's an, So I misspoke last week. I, I referred to – I was talking about roster construction, and I said – you know, to have stars, you're going to have to pay them. The core is about to become really expensive in two years. So you have to take L's on your roster somewhere. That was the wrong phrasing. What I meant was you have to be cheap somewhere on the roster. Yeah. And that is ELCs. These are, you know, young up and coming guys that can fill a role, be it for the whole season or intermittently or veterans that have proven NHL pedigree that can also come in and fill a role. Canes have just been you know, too deep in the fact that I also misspoke. I said, oh, their fourth line costs $6 million this year. Well, KK alone costs six mil, but um, traditionally they've spent almost $2 million per player on the fourth line, which no one does. No one does. You know, this year with KK in there, they're spending about $8 million total on that group. Can't do it. Um, No one else is built like that. And that's why they're a good team. But I also feel like that's when you get to the playoffs the the connotation that depth wins you championships, it just hasn't been true. I mean, did the I guess maybe the Blues in 2019? Before that, I mean, you know, you go Tampa, Tampa, Blues, I think could fall into that as a deeper, less star-driven team, but they still had stars. Uh, Washington, stars. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, stars. I mean, now you get going back five, ten years, and it's like, all these teams have like legitimate, you know, top 10 caliber players, if not generational players. And they don't currently have those right now. So I'm just not seeing the depth translates to cups. Uh, and so that's why I just can't justify spending $6 million on a third line winger, even if it means a potential or perceived step back in that role. Um, because I think you can allocate those funds better elsewhere. Yeah, I would agree. And we'll we'll do an episode about roster construction and we can really start to throw some more specific names at you all down the road because there's a handful of them. Um, there's a handful of them that could be valuable assets in a trade down the road to acquire maybe a more veteran player that could fill that role. We'll have to see as time progresses how the market shakes out, what's available. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because – Nino could sign tomorrow, right? Right. So thinking hypothetically, get the wheels turning. Yeah, I, mean, happen, I think this happen. episode and, and really the episodes until the draft and um, free agency on the 13th of July are kind of just like brain dumps, you know, just kind of thinking we're, we're, we're projecting in a way. And, and last year, our projections were pretty good. And uh, hopefully they're just as good this year. But this organization does have the propensity to kind of do the unexpected as well. And we, you know, we talked about Tony and like no one saw that coming. Um, we, we've referenced the Hamilton trade when they brought him in and the Trochak trade. I mean, this team just seems to operate in the quiet and they don't think the same as anyone else. So um, when we try to project almost like we're building an NHL roster uh, on the video game, how you would traditionally mm-hmm. make these moves, yeah. they don't work like that no. and, and they view and value players differently. So, um, Although I may question at times, I mean, they, they still deserve the benefit of the doubt. There's no question. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that 
It Bre- should be an interesting offseason. Bre- brief cut in because you mentioned Drury. I, I wanted to drop this in. Uh, your Chicago Wolves are up one nothing after one in game three of the Calder Cup Finals. So yes, we like that. We're super excited about that. Mm-hmm. We're huge Chicago Wolves. <laughs> Lifelong fan. Absolutely. Lifelong since Absolutely. what, 2020? Yeah. Whatever. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember off the top of my head now. Uh, you mentioned I had to look it up. I was like, okay. Yeah. Bolts yeah. are also up one nothing too. Yeah. Just so we can date the the podcast, yeah, you know it's exactly nice. when we're I don't know, you listen it. to a pod. I kind of like when people do that. I'm like, oh, you, that's where I was. No, I'm fine with it. If you want to get into our head, you can. Uh, we can tell you the temperature and everything <laughs> outside too. You can recreate the environment. <laughs> fine, dim I light. won't do it again. We're in a dim lit room right now. <laughs> oh, that sounds ominous. Yeah, it's not ominous. It's romantic. What are you talking Good about? God. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay. We've gone off the rails. Um, it's a brain dump. It is a brain dump. Oh, well, that was just, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, our fourth cane we need to discuss tonight. Probably the most hot button cane of the entire off season. Um, Mart- Martin Natchez, uh, former first round pick, drafted 12th overall in 2018 by your Carolina Hurricanes. Um, a guy that's had a interesting career here, um, was brought up for a handful of games his rookie year, sent back down. Um, I think that's kind of indicative of how his relationship was, has been with the organization. It's He's kind of been toyed around with, despite his you know obvious upside as a player, does a lot of really dynamic things that make you think he can become a high-caliber top-six player, has flashed it. He was excellent, um, not last season, but the year before, and really won you a playoff series versus Nashville. It was him and the the decor and not a whole lot else. Um, a guy that was really everyone's flavor of the month last offseason. I, I think, as we mentioned last week, I think Seth Jarvis is a higher-caliber prospect, but he was everyone's Seth Jarvis last year. And now everyone's like, give him the boot. Get out of here. Uh, best case, um, short-term bridge deal, but he's he's on the ropes. And I'm not really sure how I feel about that. But before I give my thoughts, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, he's a polarizing figure in that regard because you could swing and miss massively. He could be a guy that becomes a fringe number one center in the next three years. He's a guy that could never figure it out and be a third-line player for the rest of his career. He's getting close to being at the point where he makes, where he kind of makes the moves that determine that. And I, he's got a lot of the tools. Um, I don't find him to be like a very great goal scorer. I don't think he will ever evolve to be a great goal scorer. But I find him to be a player that has great vision, great ability to pass. He's struggled with confidence and stuff lately and has had turnover issues as a result. I also think those partially come from the fact that he's a guy that probably would thrive down the middle of the ice in terms of entering the zone. He's not a guy you want entering the zone off the boards and stuff. He's not a physical presence. He doesn't. He's not confident in that aspect of his game. So it really boils down to if he makes the move to center, which I would assume he does, 
in the next season to two, whether it's with the Canes or another franchise, does he start to unlock his potential and become a playmaking center? Um, if he can get to the high 40s, 50% on faceoffs, figure out his confidence, I think the guy could be power play one. I think he could be first, second line center. I think he could be a 60-plus assist guy. Uh, I don't think you're, I don't think he's your goal scorer or anything along those lines, but I think the potential is very high. So if if it's not an opportunity to bring him back because neither side can figure something out, then you can't trade him low off of last year's results. You're gonna have you have to find a way to to sell high based on the potential of what he could be because otherwise you could really regret it i'm not saying people regret the elias Lindholm trade like what we got out of that was what we needed to take the next step as a franchise so it was worth it but it does ended up being a good hockey trade it was a good hockey trade for everyone but in the long run they're going to continue to win because they have hannafin has started to play up to his potential elias Lindholm has become a number one and all our guys are gone from that and all of our guys are gone and that's what you don't want to have happen with nature's And I would assume that they've learned a little bit because we're not at the point where we are going to bring in a guy like that. There's n- right. that trade isn't available that um, I can think of. So, hey, um, you know, just talking about Elias Lindholm compared to Martin Natchez, it's obviously different players. I, I felt much more confident in uh, Lindholm's two-way game. Uh, you know, just was a better all-around player. Um, he's surprised me with how much of his offensive game has flourished. You, you would see it in, you know, in burst in Carolina, but I I didn't think he was overly dynamic. And when they traded him, I you know obviously was a guy that was drafted fifth overall, had tremendous pedigree, but his offensive glow up in Calgary has been totally shocking to me. Um, and that does give me pause with Natchez because I kind of feel the opposite. Whereas my concerns with Natchez are defensive game a little bit of positioning face-offs glaring issue if he is going to move to center um but i see the the offensive upside there and that just makes me go man if if he gets to play with high upside players like a you know johnny goudreau for example like if he falls into that perfect situation like lindholm did i have no doubt that he can be a you know 80 90 maybe a hundred point producer. He just got that skill. If he's got the people around him, but where does he fit in here? I would love to see him at center. If I had my druthers and I knew I'm losing Trocheck, he would be my first guy that I would want to slot in that second center spot. I don't think they're going to do that. And to play him down in the lineup at, you know, potentially caught at the fourth line center or third line center or whatever, um, costing Drury your job. I, I just, it, it doesn't really make sense from a team building perspective and with the investment in Kokaniemi. So I, I was, that, that was kind of my thought process leading, you know, in the pre, you know, prior weeks, but it started to change a little bit, especially when I heard kind of their price and what they were looking for, because once again, from a team building I just perspective, I just don't get it. And the rumored prices they want a young defenseman back and man that i i know you have a need in your bottom pairing um 
It sounds like they're shopping him high. They don't want a nobody that's just going to come in. This is not the Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear trade. Um, they, they want a premium high upside guy. To me, that would have to be someone that's kind of a, a two, three that could ascend to be a, you know, higher even caliber defenseman. But I just don't get that from a team building approach. Cause what's my problem. I, I feel like my top two D pairings are, are excellent. Maybe the best two in the league. I don't need more depth there unless the idea is to trade Shea. Like you're bringing in a Chikrin, trade Shea, or you're going to ride with Shea's contract for one more year. You already have the replacement. We're thinking more long-term here. I just think unless they're viewing it as like a potential step back year and we're making sure the roster is strong to move forward, I think your best bet for juice-wise is to, hey, put him at center, see if he can develop. Sorry, KK, you're already here for eight years. You're going to stick in your fourth-line role. We're going to try this and be strong through the middle. If you fail, hey, KK is going to get the shot next to be your second-line center, and we'll bring in Drury as your fourth-line center, and we'll roll from there, and hey, might have to move you back to winger, and we'll reevaluate again next year. I just think a short bridge makes the most sense unless they are chasing scoring punch. And we we talked about the deals last week with – you know, a line air to bring it, or we didn't even mention Fiala, but he's one of them. Um, he's how I would frame that deal. It's, it's Natchez, a prospect, a 23 first and a roster player. Like that's how that, the, the four for one with, you know, upside is kind of how a deal of that caliber gets done. You look at the Jack Eichel deal, et cetera. I just, I don't get it, Mike. I really don't get trading for a, a D man because I don't think that helps next year. And that puts us down to this core has two years. Well, that's cutting the legs out of one of those years. And so you're going to say you're going to be all in that next year's. It's just not how they operate. And so it's kind of counterintuitive to me. Um, and I, I don't like it. I, I would rather swing the bat with him at center and see if he can make the jump internally because then the roster up front is healthy and has juice. And they just don't have that juice right now. Yeah, unless you're thinking that you have to trade Tony because the deal's not going to work out and you need a top-pairing defenseman. And if you think that's something that you can get back with a Natchez package, maybe you can. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just am assuming Tony's back, so that's yeah. probably wrong of me. Because, I mean, if if that's the case and you're using Natchez to get to get a, a defenseman back that would fill that role or a top-four role... Um, then maybe you're looking at a potential package revolving around Tony's RFA rights to bring a forward back. Well, yeah, let me run something by you, too. And this is something they would do. We, we know a lot of Carolina's negotiations really don't get out in the public, especially their trade discussions. Um, so do you think this was maybe floated as like a, hey, we'll trade Natchez for a high-end D-man, young D-man, to maybe like barter down Tony's price a little bit and be like, Hey, let, let's really get in that hometown range. I mean, it could I don't know. I, conspiracy theory time. Uh, it but been. I, I think that makes a lot they of don't, sense. They don't leak a lot of their, exactly. Their it just stuff, seemed so. a little too, uh, I don't know. It's just not like them. Yeah. The only reason that it could be different is that there's obvious, there's palpable, uh, hurt from nature's maybe. Absolutely. Or just, like, I don't and know. And that's why I tried to touch on I, You know, he's been kind of done wrong. He's, yeah. he, he's the opposite of Kokaniemi. Like, they've done Natchez dirty, and he's produced at times. They've done everything right by KK, and he just hasn't. It's very, uh, it's muddled. But, 
Yeah, I but, mean, they've know, done him wrong from the set from the sense of playing him at center maybe, but I've I do think that they've given him his fair shake and one of the big things that Rod doesn't like is making the mental mistakes, the simple professional mistakes that you can't make as a professional hockey player and Natchez is prone to those and that's not something that he takes lightly. So you're right. not you're not just going to be given supreme confidence when you're doing that he's allowed natures to play creative i think he's given him opportunities on top pair second line like right. he's been up and down the line yeah, I, I, maybe done dirty was uh, a bit in of his opinion i think i do think i'm Natchez sure he feels that way that. without question i think he, i'm sure he feels that way and i'm sure teams around the league are aware that he feels oh, that they, way they are chomping at the bit for the potential upside of this guy because they they all know it and and so carolina needs to if they are going to sell him sell him as the player everyone projects him that he could be yeah uh, and if that's what the price ends up being i'm here for it if not i would prefer a long or a short-term bridge deal uh let's give him a shot at center and reevaluate i just wanted to touch on the leak because it it to me felt totally different than the ethan bear leak about how he's allowed to go pursue other you know, trade you can't hide that when you allow no, them to negotiate exactly. with other people. But it felt different, right? It yeah. just was like, no, okay, sure. one feels tactical, the other is just news. And I yeah. think they were both presented as news. And I, I, I just, I push back on that because it just doesn't seem to how this front office operates. Yeah, and it's also like a, we're not, we're willing to trade you to Natchez as well, right? Which I think it starts to speed up negotiations a little bit to see instead of let's play this out until you can get offer sheeted. It's like no, we're gonna either we're going to move you before that or like you're not getting offer sheet. Right. I, I agree think. with you. I, they will have something traded or a deal in place before that time. I just don't think you can allow him to get there. Yeah. I would think it's handled before we're at by the end of the draft. Because you, you just don't want to be in a position where he does get offer sheeted because even if he gets offer sheeted and you get a first round pickback, that future first does nothing for you now. And, and they're going to make sure that the, the asset they get back if they do end up moving him impacts this team now or betters this team for the not so distant future. I mean, what's a late first round pick in 2023 going to do? Nothing until 2025. Well, the windows mm, at probably the earliest, closed. probably at the earliest, like yeah. windows probably closed. Um, or it doesn't look the or same. It's a new window. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a new window. It doesn't look the same. Um, mention Ethan Bear. I think that's probably the easiest one to jump to. He's been in the news recently. Um, Elliot Friedman reporting that the Canes have given Ethan Bear permission to go seek deals, explore the market, basically see what's out there, find out how other teams have valued him or valuing him. Um, this is a guy that was traded last offseason, came to Carolina in the Warren Fogle deal. Um, Right-hand defenseman, some upside, um, you know, kind of a low-key fan favorite that I would say, as you put, um, probably played 20 good games, 20 bad games, spent a lot of time on the shelf, uh, battled uh, COVID and potentially long COVID, um, was a healthy scratch in the playoffs, still trying to find his footing. Even with this rumor that he's been given permission to seek a trade, um, Canes have offered him. I mean, it sounds like they would like to have him back. I think they'd like to have him back at a low, low point, you know, AAV, um, probably looking at a one year, $1 million type situation, right? I mean, 
they don't want to go much more than that. If not, you know, they, they would have played him in the playoffs. Let's just be candid here. Yeah, I think I think you're looking at 1.5 or less probably is where the Canes are at on him. Um, I think I think your chances of him being gone are 75, 80% higher than that maybe. I would think that someone out there would be able or willing to take the shot on him. It's not going to cost you much to get him. Talking about a late-round draft pick most likely at this point. So I think, uh, I think there's a good shot he ends up somewhere else. And if not... I'd welcome back another opportunity for him because when he played those 20 good games, if he can start stringing that together more consistently, even if there are little dips here and there, um, if he can find some consistency, he showed that he has the capability of being a really good player. I'd be happy for him to have that opportunity here. Be happy for him to be your power play two quarterback. Um, We'll see. I think, like you kind of mentioned, the Canes aren't paying him more than – more than six defensemen, seven defensemen money. That's kind of where they value him right now. And I mean, I'm all right. Like I'm all right with it. Yeah. If he's back, I'm fine with that. And I the, think they're going to get help. something. And Hey, does yeah. is a fifth round pick moving the needle? No, but it's better than nothing. And a guy that does have ability and some potential upside. Um, usually you want to hold on to those people. Um, but I, it, we we talked about the necessity to bring in usable assets at cheap cost. If he's not going to be at a cheap cost, it, it just doesn't make sense. And so you call up a, you know, Chatfield, and he fills that roster void, and he's your six seven, play the right side, a little bit of physicality. I, honestly, I, I'd rather play Chatfield personally. That's just how I feel. I I like his game a little better, and I think he brings a little bit more of an edge that this team needs. Um, to me, Ethan Bear is a little bit more of a finesse player that has some offensive flash that, and this team is pretty redundant. So, uh, you know, I'm not breaking the bank for him. Um, wish him all the best if he's not here. And if he is back, I, I think he can be a useful player and hopefully bounce back, back from uh, COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, he's one of one of three defensemen we have to talk about. He's an RFA, so Canes do hold negotiating rights there. And then the next two, we have Cole and Smith from there, both UFAs, both veteran players. What are you, what are your thoughts around those two? Um, obviously, veteran UFAs. Uh, I, I think they're two different discussions, though. Uh, Ian Cole, a guy that has, you know, one cups, one with Pittsburgh, um, brings a little bit of that physicality, edge, veteran presence, does a lot of things that you really like, but is a stay-at-home left-shot defenseman. Um, although he did score one big goal this uh, postseason. Um, I'd love to have him back. I just think he's the type of guy that you want in the room and that they just need more of. A um, little bit of, you know, F you to him. I, I, I like that. Um, you need guys that have been there for the journey. Unfortunately, I think he's going to price himself out. And, and he, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I, I kind of felt like in his interview, it's like, this he's won cups. This is kind of his last chance to get paid. I think he took a one year deal here as like a I'll go and try one more one more cup. Well, I think this offseason is like if I can get a bigger, longer term deal, I wouldn't be upset about that either. And I think you mentioned that Smith might be in the same boat. I just think Smith comes at a lower price point, which makes this a little bit more palatable. Um, you know, Brendan Smith, you know, unique 
career, came over from the Rangers, has low-key played some forward and, you know, was was pretty dynamic, especially in that Ranger series, scores the shorty, um, not afraid to mix it up, a guy that kind of grew on me throughout the year, a guy that wasn't playing a whole lot early on and then settled in as a regular as the season progressed. Um, I don't think you're getting him as cheap as you got him last year, um, but, you know, another guy that if he's your 6'7 left side, you know, is him and Bear the worst third pairing in the league? No, not at all. I think you're pretty pleased with that. Um, but if someone is going to pay him to be more than that, he's not going to be here. And, I, you know, I think Cole is more valuable. I think he's going to be more desired, uh, less likelihood that he's back. Smith, similar, though, in the fact probably took a smaller term deal to, or smaller deal to hopefully win a cup. I think this year he, he's on the market and is going to get whatever he can. And uh, the chips may fall where they may. Yeah, I would say there's a better chance Smith is back over Cole. I think your point about Cole pricing himself out is right, and he had some pretty pointed things to say in his exit interview about the performance and attitude of the players around him on the roster, and you hope that some of those guys take those comments to heart. Um, he, He pretty much flat out said it wasn't good enough on multiple levels in terms of heart and and desire and then execution Uh, that's at least the way i interpreted what he said and when i mean that's uh, you want that voice back in the room back because you gotta have someone that's been there and can hold people accountable as good of a captain and leader as jordo is i don't get the impression that he's the vocal guy in the room so you gotta have someone that said he's not he's not and so if it's and and maybe I think in year two, Ian Cole would feel more comfortable even being a guy like that, um, because I think Martinook's time as a you know leadership you know top three leadership guy is quickly diminishing. Um, I, I just think we you need someone else, and I don't. I'm not saying Ian Cole would wear a leather here, but like you just need guys that have done it before and understand what it takes because you need vets to hold the room accountable. And if your yeah. leadership group, Stahl, Slavin, Aho, which I am projected to be this year, that's about the quietest leadership group in the league. So um, you got to have someone that is not afraid to get in people's faces and step up and say the things. And teams that don't have that, it, it's really kind of becomes apparent. And if you've ever been in locker rooms like that, like I have, when you don't have vocal guys and it doesn't always have to be your captain, like if you don't have vocal guys that know when to step up and say the right things at the right time, a team can kind of appear rudderless and emotionless. And I feel at, at times they've kind of been like that. And um, whether it's Ian Cole or someone else, I, I just, someone's got to fill that void because they don't yeah. have that right now. Yeah, You need leaders without letters. So Leaders like of the, that. that's great. Did you coin was, that yourself? I mean, yeah. I did. We'll, we'll, we'll Broadcast TM. Someone else has probably said it, I'm sure. But I, you need, yeah, you need vocal guys. You need someone that's not afraid to say this isn't good enough. And I don't think any of these guys aren't willing to say that. And I do think the older Aho gets, the more of a vocal leader he'll become. He's definitely the one you look to that, that could grow into that. Yeah, league. and there's also the, the old legend of Rod from what I remember, didn't say a whole lot. But if Rod looked at you the wrong way, and some guys have that, and 
And I think Jordan Stahl has that aura around him where he's quiet. He goes out and he gets work done, and you can tell when he's not pleased. Well, even if it's directed at you or not, you know sure. you don't. That's not a guy you want to let down. It's different types of leadership. Jordan's Jord- right? a monster of a human. He's a big, big man. Um, I don't get the. Hey, I've never met any of these guys, but you just don't get the. Um, you know, I don't envision the look from Jordo is the same as the look from Rod. Oh no! Yeah, Rod's Probably a not. smaller guy than Jordo, but a much more intimidating, domineering presence. That you know, the best leaders aren't the ones that talk the most. I'm not saying you got to be a. Ch- sure. Oftentimes, the guys that talk too much, that's actually more of a negative than not saying anything. It becomes you know, okay, this guy again, like stop. Um, but you just need someone to be that kind of big man in the room, a presence in the room. And that's, that's why I really like leaders without letters. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Every, every team needs them. Need them. Okay. Uh, last defenseman to talk about, uh, old Jake Gardner back healthy, ready to go. Off, he signed, uh, signed to a contract. Too. He's <laughs> one year, a uh, little over $4 million, uh, with a buyout of two years, 1.48. Is Jake Gardner on this roster next year, Mike? No, and I don't think it, it would have to come to a buyout. A, a one-year contract shouldn't be hard to move, in my opinion. I don't. I, it's not like we're talking about a 38-year-old defenseman here. He still has game left in him, in my opinion, enough to make an NHL roster. Like He could fit a need for somebody somewhere. He could be a power play two quarterback for somebody. Like I would find it hard to... You're not going to get anything back for him. You're not. Yeah, I, you're I not getting anything My question is: turn, Do you think you have to attach something to him to get someone to take it? You might have to like swap picks or something. It okay. might be like Gardner in a seventh for another for Arizona seventh yeah, like, or something like that. Yeah. Where that's the team I kind I kind of look to is like, yeah. okay, we'll take your bad contracts that you need to have to create cap space and give us a little asset to make or it happen. Even, yeah, it could be R6 for their seventh. I, right. I don't really know what it looks like, but I, I could imagine that you could move them. And if you do buy them out, I mean, you're giving yourself another two and a half million roughly in, in room on your roster. So, I mean, is Jake, is Jake Gardner worth two and a half million? I don't, I don't think the Canes, today would sign him for two and a half million. So I don't think they'd sign him either. Um, so I don't think he's going to be here. I I think, uh, Sarah Sivian posted like a, like fan poll type thing. And it was like, is Jake Gardner on the roster next year? And it's like buyout trade, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, man, if they can even find a trade for him. And I, there's only certain ways to phrase the question and definitely not questioning that. I thought it was a really good uh, survey, but that one particular was like, Man, if only, and that's why context matters. Because in an ideal world, you're absolutely trading him, and that's what yeah. the question was asking. But you know, is the buyout the worst thing ever? No, I mean you can live with one and a half million dollars over two years. It's not the worst thing ever. But like that four million dollars to me could be repurposed to replace a Nino. Okay, that's how you band-aid over that lack of a third line center with a little scoring juice. I'm like, okay, or winger with a little scoring punch. I'm like, that's how we do it. Um, at the end of the day, it, it's just got to be gone. If it costs you a late pick to do it, no big deal because that f- $4 million is way more valuable. Yeah, or that $4 million plus the one maybe that gets you close to uh, the Tony deal. Who knows? The Tony deal is crazy to me because the gap in value is so 
substantial. I can't remember the last time we've had such a wide margin and potential deal. Like we're usually pretty good at getting in the ballpark with guys. And I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't tell you like it could be anywhere. Well, we were talking outside of be. PNC uh, before game seven and the number that just popped in my head was like three by four and a half. You know, I think that's pretty fair AAV. And then I've seen it all over the shop from like reputable sources saying like, Oh, 3 million AAV, 8 million AAV. Five years, two years, one year. I'm like, what in the like? There yeah. is no consensus because, to use everyone's favorite word, there's no precedent right now, and there's yeah. really no comparable to Tony and his situation. A guy that's been paid, lost it, been productive, is still young. Is reputation has been repaired. I mean, it's always, it's all to the most part. I mean, it's always easier to be the second team to sign the quote damaged goods guy. Um, Obviously, no real issues with him in Carolina. Everything seems wholly positive, and um, teammates really enjoyed playing with him. He's productive. I mean, what more do you want? So from that level, it's like, oh, this this guy could command $8 million. I don't think there's a possibility that he will, but would I be shocked if it's six? No. I'm just saying in my perfect world, you know, four and a half to five over two, three years is a super low-risk you can stomach that every single time, even if he goes awry, um, because someone else, I believe, will take a uh, another shot on the redemption project because the talent's there and he produces. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so from there, we'll jump we into three more. Three more, all forwards. Who you want to do first? Let's just start at the top. Let's go with Lawrence, our last RFA to discuss. I think he's going to be cheap. I think he's productive. You can healthy scratch him if needed. He can play center. He can play on the wing. He's a big body. I, I, I like him. I He would be a not a must sign for me, but he's a guy that we keep talking about, a cheap option that can fill roles. Yes, every time, yes. Yeah, I mean, I would think he's back. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I've said it for a long time. I would much rather have, have him in my lineup every night than have Martin Hook in my lineup. Oh, yeah. Um, they don't have the same locker room presence. I think but we like Jordan Martin, the dude. Oh, love I, him. We've, uh, I would have a beer with that into, guy. Yeah, we bumped yeah. into him to a few times. Uh, seems awesome. But I, I wouldn't categorize the pod as pro him in the lineup. Well, we like him as a player. It's just I don't know if he serves – a purpose on this roster. Right. I think he's absolutely an NHL player. I think he was immensely valuable in 2019. Yeah, like I think there's teams that he could be a third line player on. Honestly, yes. I think there's some bad teams that he Without, could play yeah, up the lineup. He can play up the lineup. It's just not here. And here, it kind of gets lost. And I think the frustration is if he's wearing a letter, you feel like you have to play him. Mm-hmm. And that that's a tough situation. One point eight million. I mean. It's not the worst contract, but is he not the worst? Is he worth he's worth that. I fully believe that. I'm not sure if he's worth that here. That's the thing. Like I he he's just I I think almost outlived his time. Um and this It comes back to cheap deals and when you have one point eight million versus a guy within the ELC or a guy on a really cheap deal who plays better, it's let's save that million 
point eight right. million, point five, whatever. And it, it sucks because I think in a perfect world, he's a guy that you want to have in your lineup, that you want to have in your locker room, that you don't mind wearing a letter, that it's done a lot of good here. Uh, no, not just for the team, but the community has really embraced it and loves being here. He's the kind of guy that I would love to be on this team, you know, almost in perpetuity. It's just I don't see a slot for him. And at that price point, it becomes a business to me. And it's like you can move him out, replace him with someone on their ELC that's going to give you similar production, can play a similar style. Um, and the team is probably better off for it. And as much as it would suck and maybe his pride would feel a little hurt, he's probably going to go somewhere else and, you know, have better production in a higher role at the lineup. And he's going to interject some juice that maybe an up and coming team like Carolina was a few years ago that they need. And he kind of, kind of jumpstart that. Um, but you know, teams need guys like Jordan Martin. Absolutely. And I, I mean, if you take the letter off him and you're willing to play him 41 games a year and have him be a guy that's there for competition, cause the dude's going to bring it. Right. And if you keep him healthy, maybe he will have better results cause he's had injury issues. Um, then may like there's, I'm not saying there's not value in the Canes having him, but you have to be prepared to play, a Lawrence, a Drury, uh, maybe a Jamison Reese, uh, some of those guys. Like, I mean, when Levo is playing well down in the HL, like you have to have, have the opportunity to interject some right. of these guys that are hot or some of these young guys with potential. And like you mentioned, I think this has to be the year where the letter just goes straight. Like last year was the 50-50 split, and this year's got to be the year the letter goes to Ajo. Because you have to have him be a guy that can go in and right. out of the lineup. He got to grow. Aho needs to grow, continue to grow into that leadership role, as we talked about. And yeah, like I do feel like the letter plays a decision in the scratch or non scratch you know, debate. And I am, could not agree more. Like I said, he's a guy that you want on your team, guy that any team would want. It's just we need a little bit more flexibility. And that's the letter's the reason. Great. And he needs to be comfortable with that role. And um, I don't know. We, we are very pro Jordan Martinook, just we don't see it right now where it fits. And hey, it'll work out. Uh, a guy that I don't think we're going to be talking about for very much longer, in my opinion, is Max Domi. I like him. You know, we'll always have that game seven, three point two goal performance uh, to hang his hat on. Um, it's hard to come in and, and you know, immediately settle in and gel with a group. I, I really don't think he ever found his footing here. Um, they're not going to pay him. He's, he's a guy that is really not a fourth line player was probably being used uh, in the wrong roles. Um, but in this team, he's kind of expendable and uh, yeah. Thanks for game seven. Yeah. He's going to be a middle six guy, probably leaning towards second line player, most likely for someone else. I would assume the the organization doesn't have the money unless you, unless you think that he could replace scoring from maybe a Tony or a Nino. So, I mean, or not Tony, excuse me, Nino or like a Trocheck, but I don't, I don't see it working out. Yeah, I mean, unless, as you said, unless Nino's gone and he's, you know, a third of the price, you're paying him $2 million for two years. Yeah, okay. $3 million. He's going to get more than that. He's going to get more than that. Um, just saying, I, I, I think that would be to use our word of the night. I think it's be the third time we, that would be more palatable. Yes. We, we wouldn't mind that. Uh, guy I like, I just he's you can't pay a fourth liner that much. I think he's got a little more juice than that. If I'm him, I'm looking for a bigger role uh, somewhere else. 
Speaking of bigger role somewhere else, I, I think that's probably Derek Stepan, which I was pretty frustrated with that he didn't play more through stretches this year, um, especially in the Rangers series. A guy that really thought they needed him um, as far as what he could bring. And he was a guy that's always seemed to be productive and, and flashed on that fourth line. And he's not as old as you probably think he is. He, he's, you yeah. know, early 30s. Feels like he's in his late 30s the way everyone talks about him. But. Um, a guy that I thought should have played over KK at, at spots. Um, and I was really disappointed we didn't see him in the Rangers series. But yeah, I would have been, because of that, he's, he's probably gone, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that also could have played flex on the wing or something like that. Right. I mean, he, he should have been in. I would have said him or Lawrence were a toss-up when Lawrence entered the lineup. Um, he, he's a guy that you would like to have on your roster. He's been... He's been to the big stage. Um, he understands what it takes to be successful in the NHL. Like he's been a top producer. He's good with the younger players. He wants to win. He wants to compete. He wants to be in the lineup. And those are the good kind of players to pros, cycle. Pro. Yep, he's a and pros, those are pro. the good, good kind of guys to have, even if you don't get to play 82 games. You, I don't. In a in a perfect world, I don't want to have a fourth line player play 82 games. No, I mean, that that's really... For and, me, I want to have competition. I want to play who's hot, and I want to make sure that nobody is comfortable. And if a fourth liner is killing it, then I want to make my third line feel uncomfortable. Right. And, like, here, you can go sit, and you're going to watch. Yeah, we, we, we touched on this. I, I think last week, I for the first time ever this year, there were, there was noticeable points where I didn't feel like competition reigns supreme, which under Rod was always the chief virtue is virtue is competition. Whoever is playing the best, working the hardest, doing the little things is going to get the job. This was the first time I didn't feel like that was universal. And we've already talked about KK and maybe Martin with the letter and things of that nature. It's just like you need guys that understand what it takes. And Derek Stepan, I feel like is one of those guys. Uh, unfortunately he probably feels pretty disenfranchised with how the experience went. Um, he will probably be replaced by a number, another similarly costing vet. Um, and we will have to see how that goes. Um, any final thoughts on him? No, I think we'll see. I think he's going to have options to go elsewhere. Um, I don't think he would be opposed to coming back. Uh, I think he likes playing for rod. I think he likes the rally. Um, so we'll, We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a guaranteed no, but I would definitely lean towards him not returning. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat there. Uh, this ran much longer than I thought it would. We were debating if we'd have to put on another uh, whole segment, but I think we're about at an hour right now. Um, any final thoughts, bud? No, I'm curious to see what happens in the coming weeks. Obviously, next week we'll try to get back in and continue our discussions around maybe – what we see happening leading up to the draft. Yeah, even though we don't have the first, we got to talk some draft. Maybe uh, we'll have some news break. Sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, should we put some pressure on Steve? Oh, what a great... Uh, what a great outro. Outro. <laughs> I can't, outro will just I be can't our believe. bloopers, and we don't need that anywhere on the internet. Well, once again, appreciate you guys uh, joining us and uh, sticking with us. It was pretty dense tonight, but uh, we will be back with you uh, next week, and go Canes.